Are you seeing floaters? Wondering if they're going to get worse? Listen to episode 59 and get all the answers. From the in-office studios of his eye care practices in Nashville, Tennessee, it's As I See It with Dr. Jeff Kegaris, your source for eye care education and receiving the type of patient relationship you deserve. It is time for a patient revolution. And now, your host, Dr. Jeff Kegaris. Hello again. It's Question Dr. Is, Jeff Kegaris. All the knobs set. Correctly? Are all the knobs set? I thought that was your job. There's literally like a diagram. If you're joining me now, <laughs> I'm being harassed by Cole Evans on which knobs to press to make sure that the volume is actually up and at the right level. As long for, as mine sounds good, Dr. Jeff. For as I saw, oh, that, that's like that radio voice. This is As I See It. I'm here with my late night traveling across the country, Cole Evans, um, broadcaster. Flamethrower of the South. Yeah, there you go. Uh, we're on, as I see, we're going to talk today about a very common question. You know, Cole, if I go out, as I like to, and lecture to groups or um, uh, 65 and over groups or even younger groups, inevitably parents and um, anybody probably over 30 or 40, the most common question I ask, no matter what the subject is, when I open it up for questions, they go, what can you do about these floaters that I have? So I we exactly what you're talking about. Do you really? Oh, you I have, have them too? I have them Yes. Huh, interesting. So if I'm looking, I'll give, uh, I think I'm pretty good at describing things so yeah, people can yeah. get a visual as they're, you know, riding in traffic. The um, Or riding a bike. I was listening to this podcast the other day and I was riding my bike and he goes, I mean, if you're riding your bike and I was like, he knows oh exactly gosh. what I'm doing. <laughs> Big brother. So um, I was outside earlier on a phone call. I'm looking out in the parking lot while I'm on the call. Mm-hmm. I look to the left and when I look to the left, it's trailing is not the right word because it doesn't the figures don't move with like a trail so you see everything behind it mm-hmm. but when i'm looking ahead and i turn to the left or i turn to the right i i noticed i mean this this was 20 minutes ago i noticed that it just kind of comes into focus comes into focus mm-hmm. like moves around mm-hmm. not trailing cuz that i think i think of that like if you're looking at a um uh, a thing for fireworks yeah. And you light it. Yeah. You move yeah. The sparkler. The sparkler. Yeah. Kind of like and you after it image. It's not like yeah. that, right? Mm-hmm. But the idea, it doesn't have that trailing where you can see where it's been. But uh, floater is, the, I think that's one of those kind of like Q-tip. People are just like, oh, no, that's exactly what it is because that's exactly what it is. Right. Um, why do we have floaters, Dr. Jeff? Boy, there are a number And why of... is 30 this magic age where all of a sudden you think <laughs> your eyes are going to fall out? Right. Well, it does. there is no magic age, but uh, that's a really good question. And so first thing I want to do is I want to cover the different types of floaters. Some are less common, but I think it's important for people to know that not all floaters are alike. All right. So some of the floaters that we take care of, there are, there is a visual sensation. We don't see this very often, kind of like a snowy TV screen. And those are sometimes reported as floaters. I see all this scatter and things moving and it's like snow in my vision. That is a neurologic condition um, oftentimes benign sometimes it's indicative of something more significant and we need to look into that but there can be floaters that people have that are a neurologic condition that is not the usual situation but that is one okay secondly when you are in certain situations if you're really staring and I, I, I use this as an example and people chuckle but I think you could relate to it if you're in a bathroom at a at the airport, all right, and you're looking at the back door. So, you know, women in particular, you're sitting down. Guys, you're sitting down 
this time, not standing up. Okay, you got my picture? So you're looking at that door, and there's, the paint is very uniform. And sometimes you just sit in there and you stare. If you stare, or if you stare against a flush wall, right in the middle of your vision, sometimes people will see, I almost see these reflective things going off. They're very subtle, but if you keep watching, it's almost like they're little lights going off very, very subtly. What that actually is, is you can see white blood cells traveling through the blood vessels in and around the macula. It's a very unique thing we call an endopic. It's in the eye situation. And most of the time, those are all masked. You can't tell them or they'd be constantly bothering your vision. But under certain situations, and some, you know, the majority of people can see them, but it has to be the right situation. Some people just can't. Um, and it doesn't, it's, it's not an intelligence thing. It's just, but you try it sometime. Just be staring, relax, just be looking. And all of a sudden, it's almost like you see this little background noise in your vision huh. and some things going around. And what those white blood cells are doing is they're all going through little blood vessels. So they all follow the same path. It's pretty cool. It's like you have microscopic vision. That's number two. N-topic phenomenon can, in some people, be enhanced, and people will notice that. And then they're reassured that this is a normal thing, and you've just happened to notice it. Okay. okay. You're noticing it because you're staring, so as soon as you stop staring, it yeah. kind of goes away? Yeah, it's exactly right. If your eyes are in motion, you're not going to see them, okay? okay? But if you really are able to stare, it's almost you, you, they might not be extinguished as much, and you'll, and you'll start to maybe see those. Again, uniform background, not a light background, but kind of what I see is a you know, paint like on our walls or in a bathroom stall, yeah, sure, okay? Sure. It's the uh, bathroom topic phenomenon. Yeah, right. right? That's exactly yeah. what it's called. <laughs> Check Wikipedia. <laughs> the third thing is that people will see floaters, and I will usually ask them, I'll say, so what happens when you blink? Oh, when I blink, they go away. Really? Yeah. So if I stare, I see them, but then when I blink, they move. Those are particles, and especially prevalent here in allergy season in Middle Tennessee, where you're seeing tear debris. It could be small tear debris cells from your or from oils from your meibomian gland, anything that's floating around that you can blink and move around are in the tear film. So those are floaters, but they're not the most common type. So those three situations, scattered or snow, that is a neurologic-induced situation, topic phenomenon, which everybody has, whether you can see it or not, in and around the macula, um, you know, seeing white blood cells, or number three, dry eyes or... Um, situations where we have more things floating in our tears, those are technically floaters, but they're not the main cause. The main you cause haven't named any of ones that I think of. I know. So let me tell you the visual I think of. Yeah. So if you took your, your normal run-of-the-mill Petri dish, like in science class, mm-hmm. and you're like, oh, there's there's stuff in the Petri dish. Like that visual of just uh, of sales and yeah. stuff that you would look through a microscope and see, oh. I find that's yeah. what mine, I don't see reflection. I don't... I, yeah. You, but I, mine, but like when I'm in here, it's actually, I think, more difficult in here than it was outside. Because most of the time what happens is it's, it depends on backlighting or depends on a uniform background again. So let's mm. talk about the more common type of floater or something that you're seeing in your vision. Okay. Right? Some people will say, I'll go, is it like you have microscopic vision? And they go, yeah. Like when you used to see those amoeba or paramecium and all this stuff because you had a really backlit light mm-hmm. and you were looking at, you know, creek water mm-hmm. or something. You mm-hmm. go, oh, they're living creatures in there and they're moving all around. Some of those are light. 
but other times they're dark and they're gray and they'll move around. So some are more translucent, some are darker. They can take on all different shapes. The number one cause for floaters happens in the vitreous in the eye. That makes up two-thirds of the eye. It's a very thick gel called the vitreous gel. Okay. So very viscous, thick, okay? Kind of like jello. Technically a liquid, but really a kind of a liquid solid. Okay. But over time, and you ask the question of, well, why do people complain about this more when they're over 30? Mm-hmm. Because it takes a while for that vitreous gel. Over time, it gradually liquefies. It becomes runnier. And so instead of just kind of jiggle, it starts to slosh back and forth a little bit. And when that happens, some of the suspended fibers that we have in the eye that are transparent, you don't notice them, stick together. And when they do, they form something that now you see. Either you see that or you see a shadow of that on the back of your eye. And because it's new, it's there. Because it's in your eye, though, you start trying to look at it, and it moves. Most of these, if you look, I try to move to the right, the darn thing stays in front of me. And I look back straight ahead, there it is again. Okay, I'm going to try to look at it, stays in front of me. Oh. Yeah, because it's actually in the eye. And in fact, when we look at this... your point, it's in the back of the eye. Well, yeah. If we think about the eyeball, it's in the back half or the back two-thirds of the eye. Okay. All filled with a vitreous gel. That vitreous gel nourishes the retina, nourishes the back of the lens and the and all the structures in the middle of the eye. And so it's really a clear fluid, but it's really, really thick. In people that are very nearsighted, they have a larger eye, longer eye. They are more likely to have liquefaction of this happen earlier. So usually when we see it and somebody complains in their age 30, they're most likely nearsighted. Not always, but more likely. Hmm. Nearsighted people, because the eye is just dynamically bigger as that fluid moves around or liquefies, eventually they're going to see a few more of these floaters. Okay? Okay. Very common. Now, over time, so here's the number one thing. I mentioned those first three categories of floaters. Those probably make up less than 5% of the complaints that we get. 95% are this category. Okay. Floaters that have developed or now are visible in the thick fluid in the eye called the vitreous, the vitreous gel. Floaters just in and of themselves. The other thing that happens is as that fluid vitreous liquefies and moves around, it actually has a crust on it, okay? And it crust is attached at near the middle of the eye and then on the back of the eye near the macula and certainly around the optic nerve. I saw patients this morning, and I saw two patients on an emergency basis who that entire vitreous gel had moved around, liquefied. As it liquefies, it kind of shrinks, and so it pulls away where it's attached, The most common place where it pulls away is where it's posteriorly attached around the optic nerve. And so now, all of a sudden, where it was attached is a thick or opaque area that people suddenly see, and they can't get it out of their vision. It may be right in front. It may be a little off to the right or up or down or left, but it's near the central vision, and they didn't have it before. Hmm. Um, In the two patients I saw this morning, one had a thick basically a cobwebby appearance to it the other one had it a little off to the right but as she moved her eye it kind of floated into her vision then she tried to look at it but the darn thing stayed a little bit in front of her in both of those cases they had had they had floaters visible but the underlying cause was not just a sticking together of a few fibers but the entire vitreous detached they have what's called a fluid or a vitreous detachment 
and that's what's given them their symptoms. You're looking at me spellbound. I have so many questions. What? Okay, so you're a few months older than thirty. Yeah. What are you? Are your is your level of floaters today more dense or more? What's the difference of your floaters at yeah, your age yeah. versus floaters great, at forty? Great question. 40? I, I think for me, because my fluid is runnier than yours would be uh, as a youngster, that I see more of them moving around especially if I have a certain background. But I don't have, I've not had, to my knowledge, uh, or been diagnosed with a vitreous detachment. So I just have more of a liquefied vitreous, which is what we call a physiologic change. It happens in everybody. Mm -hmm. Nobody Mm -hmm. avoids it. Mm -hmm. I haven't had maybe the pathologic change of having it actually detach. Okay? Okay. So I don't have this very thick obscuration that is that is kind of you know most people can see through it sure but it's kind of like something's floating in front of them and it's in, right. in front of their vision right type it's so thing. funny that you, i mean you described exactly how i see it all the time and it's that blink and as soon as you try it, it's almost like running off the side of your mm-hmm. eye but then you blink and it comes right back and, that's right you know, it's crazy. <laughs> yeah sometimes i i will say i mean we have some patients that go once they know what it is then they follow them you know, and they go, oh, yeah, I kind of play with it sometimes, see this, you know, yeah, laying yeah. on the beach when I'm rack, relaxed and chill. Yeah, I'll kind of look up down and I see this thing move. You can see them even through your eyelids. So when you're on the beach, that'll highlight them. You'll see this orangey background and you'll see black floaters through there. Really? Very visible that way or sometimes against the blue sky. So either Very way, back, backlit can sometimes make it much more prevalent. Usually we'll tell people if you have a white background, the darker ones are much more visible. As I see it, we'll be right back. Hi, everyone. This is Dr. Jeff Kegaris with Cool Springs and Donaldson Eye Care. We've proudly served the Middle Tennessee community for the last 26 years, and I want you to know we really appreciate you. Having an annual comprehensive eye health and vision exam is so important to the health of your eyes. From signs of diabetes, glaucoma, and cataracts, we're looking for it all. Don't let another day go by. Schedule your annual eye health and vision exam at Cool Springs or Donaldson Eye Care. And now, back to As I See It. So I have learned, uh, aside from at least five other things, um, that everyone at at a certain point will get cataracts. Yeah. That's a previous ne- previous episode we previous. did, right? And yeah. now I'm, uh, I think it's called Common Questions About Cataracts. Yeah, there you go. Uh, episode 56. The <laughs> uh, other thing that you said is inevitable that everyone will get is floaters. Are they connected in any way? You know, everyone will get a liquefying of their vitreous. And so that is a physiologic change. And that leads to an increase likelihood that you're going to see some floaters because of that. Okay. 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 Not related to cataract. Okay. Okay. The two patients you saw this morning where they did have the detachment. They had a, they had a full detachment and that's really what we watch for. When people have these sudden acute symptoms, we want to see them because I can tell you in most cases, the good news is it's a fluid detachment. But what we watch for is we watch for any retinal involvement. So the, fluid vitreous is attached to the retina in certain places and it will tend to stick to the retina where we have scars or abnormalities that may never have bothered anybody in their lifetime but if the fluid is pulling away it may stop at one of those scars and pull on it and cause a little retinal hole or a tear that could lead to a detachment a retinal detachment is an ophthalmic urgency we want to get that fixed because if you lose the retina becomes 
released or lifts off, then you could lose your vision. And if not fixed, we can have some permanent loss of vision in that situation. So anytime we have this acute or change in the floaters, we definitely want to see somebody. The other two most likely symptoms, though, that go along with that are, you know, in addition to the floating spots, I started to see flashing lights like fireworks going off in my eye. And I look around and there are no fireworks anywhere or a shooting star. or I just see these glisteny things and they're going off constantly. Floaters plus flashes start to increase our suspicion that the retina may be involved. Ugh. Okay. Now like the floaters, I can, I think, yeah, but you see them would, like you can just deal with it. Flashes us a whole different that ball would, game. That would kind of unnerve you, wouldn't yeah, it? Yeah, for real. And the, the good news is that even if you see the flashes, again, a lot of times that's just a vitreous separation or de- degeneration leading to a detachment of the So when you vitreous. say separation, mm-hmm. should I assume that you can reattach it? That's a great question. Um, we don't reattach the vitreous. Okay, so it just fills in that cavity. Mm-hmm. If we detach the retina, it must be reattached. Because right. if you don't reattach the retina, then the cells, rods and cones, that really provide you vision are not going to be reattached and get nourishment. Got it. The vitreous can live separated from the retina and the retina can live separated from the vitreous but you don't want the retina and particularly the retinal cells separated from its nourishment so most common thing floaters are in the vitreous you look at them and they stay a little bit ahead of you it's hard to focus on them unless they're just so plentiful they're just in front of your vision in fact that's one of the clues to us is a more concern if if i say how many floaters do you see and they go i just got one big one that's one thing. If they go, oh my gosh, it's like a snow globe. I must see a thousand. I can't even count them. That's a much more worrisome thing. Sure. Because when you pull on the retina, you may release blood into the vitreous, like blood vessels that break and release blood, or you may pull on the retina and release pigment. Either of those will give you multiple spots. Hmm. And so when we look in the eye, when somebody has any type of vitreous change, we're looking for, okay, we had the vitreous change, but let's try to make sure we didn't have any retinal change. On one of the two patients today, no retinal change at all. Good news, just the vitreous. On the other one, um, she uh, he actually had a, uh, a hemorrhage that had gone into the vitreous. Now, we didn't have a retinal break or a tear, but we did have around the optic nerve uh, a little bit of a tear in one of the blood vessels that had leaked a little bit of blood. And so he had both the normal liquefying of the vitreous causing some floaters, but he also had some other floaters from just that little trickle of blood. Now that'll clear up Mm -hmm. with some time, but that's a little more worrisome symptom. And so, you know, when, when people have floaters, the the good news is most of the time I can reassure them by looking and say, Hey, it's just the vitreous. Um, The people that don't, that I can't reassure are the ones when we've got a retinal change and then we need to send to our retinal buddies to go ahead and surgically fix those. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's a separate topic altogether. The vast, why don't we just all go to the retinal specialist? Because they'd be overwhelmed with primary eye care problems mm-hmm. that they don't need to surgically fix and they're really surgeons and that's right. what they're going to, they're going to fix. So we Dr. work with them hand in hand. Dr. Jeff, do you find that uh, young people under 30, I'm guessing they can experience floaters, but is that also an indicator of something else? You know, it sometimes can be. It's a really good question because we don't typically think, certainly in our, you know, our elementary school kids or right. our teenagers, we don't usually think about them being old enough for the vitreous to turn from a solid to a, a little more liquefied state. Now, again, high nearsightedness, 
uh, more common, but somebody doesn't have a prescription starts to say floaters. Um, there are other causes. There are some emotional causes that can cause floaters. And those are type of things that we, we will tend to see more in the, and I'm not saying everybody has these, but we do see a little higher incidence of this when we have all kinds of changes going on in our body. You know, nine to 12 year old young women have a lot of, uh, of, different things, the changes that are going on biologically in, in the body. And, sure. and that can cause some visual you know, sensations or obscurations. I certainly have seen that, even though I look at the vitreous and I go, boy, that vitreous looks really, really good. So there can be other causes. But for typically, okay, we've got this vitreous degeneration and it's, you know, shrinking and causing floaters or, oh, popped off around the nerve which interestingly when we first see that it'll look like a smoke ring to us hmm. right on the back because it was around this round optic nerve and now it goes pop right off and it'll be floating right there in front and i can show people that when we do our optos imaging so i'm uh, picking up a couple of things here so one you i love at the very end slid in uh optos imaging so uh optos imaging is the newest technology that allows you to uh, like we all remember, I always compare, this is so uh, random, but just deal with it. The Getting the dilation in the eyeball, mm-hmm. I immediately always think about my grandfather driving his truck up <laughs> on these uh, platforms to change his own oil. And I remember thinking like, you can just ride down the road and get your oil changed, but my grandfather would go under and check. Yeah. Well, what's my point? I, I digress. Is that, yes, we all know when you go to the eye doctor, you get the drops in your eye and it makes you see crazy for a few hours and we call that dilation mm-hmm. and almost everyone hates it. Mm-hmm. But we also know that you cannot measure um, the digital images of the um, of the drops right. year over year with the patient. Yeah. The technology allows us to take that digital image of the back of the eye. So to your point, uh, extremely important uh, on that aspect. Yeah. Secondly I, is... I will say this. When somebody has what we suspect are new floaters, new floaters and flashes. They're going to have both. We're going to do a digital image of the eye and we're going to dilate. So we're going to be looking in a two-dimensional view with the optos, which gives us a very wide view where nobody's blinking. Mm. And then we're going to look with our um, magnifying lenses, both up close, what we call a 90 or a 60 diopter lens, 90 usually, and then a 20 diopter lens overall when I put on that headset. And sometimes we'll add other techniques to kind of what we call depress or indent the retina a little bit uh, or the eye a little bit to Mm -hmm. make sure there are no breaks. So there are a number of things we do, but in this particular case, one doesn't substitute for the other. They go hand in hand. Okay. Got it. Got it. The, um, and I'm also understanding that coming out of, um, uh, we're focused on this for over six months this year, which is the epidemic that is myopia. So I'm can, I'm I'm saying one plus one is three and a half, and the fact that we're now learning that by 2050, just a few years from now, that one in every two people you see will be myopic, or to your point about ten minutes ago, that their eyeball will have grown a little bit faster than the rate it should have. Mm-hmm. Right. So is it? Um, I'm going to assume that uh, floaters in younger people are going to increase. I think that that's a very good assumption. And and again, one of the main reasons we want to slow down the progression of nearsightedness or myopia is that when you cross a threshold and you get above the four or five range, uh, you roughly, because that eye is of a certain length, we're finding facts and data that suggest that you increase your risk of retinal detachment by 20 to 40 times. So it's a huge... Because you're myopic? Because your eye's larger. Yes, longer and larger. And the larger and longer eyes are going to have more potential for that large amount of vitreous 
to start getting liquefied in the middle, start to shrink, pull away from the retina, and it might just pull part of the retina with it. Now, most of the time it doesn't, but you're at a much higher risk. If 40 times. I mean, that's... Oh, it's huge. Yeah. Oh. So you're moderately to more high nearsighted people are at much greater risk right now for retinal changes or retinal detachment in their life. The good news is the majority will not have one, but we don't want to see those risks increase. Right. And so that's, that's another of the main important reasons for slowing down the nearsighted situation. All right, Dr. Jeff, thanks again for another uh, riveting conversation today about floaters. Uh, I, I'm, I'm very happy to know that um, I don't have uh, germs floating in my eyeball. Uh, I'm very happy to know that when I go to the beach in July that I'm going to close my be- my eyes and look up through my eyelids and I'm going to see and you're going to, black floaters. And you're going to come back and you're going to go, darn it, you're say, right. Jeff, that was so cool. That was so cool. Yeah. <laughs> Guys, you're listening to As I See It. Thank you very much for uh, subscribing. If you have, if you have not, please uh, hit that magic button on there. We definitely uh, appreciate your subscribe and we want to make sure um, – we want to make sure <laughs> – Dr. Jeff has written this note on this piece of paper because he he's wanting to say something. I have absolutely no clue. And it's upside down, and you can't read my writing anyway. The main thing I wanted to stress on this is if you have a new sudden onset of floaters, call your eye doctor because it's up to the eye doctor to answer, or ask you questions that you can answer and decide, do I need to come in to get this checked out? More often or not, the, question, or the answer is yes. Uh, we don't want you to have a higher risk of retinal detachment. That's something that if we catch at an early point can be fixed surgically, but we don't know. We can't tell over the phone. We can kind of reassure you and say it, it might be this, but I, without looking at your eye, there's no way your eye doctor can really tell. They need to dilate and ideally use up-to-date technology on the head, in their hand, and Optos technology to add to that to kind of make sure the retina is in good shape. And your point, 95 or so percent of people are just seeing, um, tell me the liquid again. Yeah, vitreous. The vitreous liquid. Vitreous liquefy. Yeah, yeah right. that's exactly right. And when, when, when we see them, I'd say, you know, I tell people, look, you got, if you have a symptomatic change like that, because again, m- many of these times, the vitreous will detach. People don't have any symptoms. They don't even realize it happened. Mm-hmm. Okay. I can tell them, Hey, your vitreous detached. Oh my gosh. What? You know, but it's just happened and they didn't even notice it about one in 10. If they have symptoms likely have a retinal change. If I see them and they don't have a retinal change at that point, I'm going to see them back in about three to four weeks. We're going to do the same things again. If it, and I think at that point I say, look, good news is because you have no change today, when I see you back in three to four weeks, you have about a one in 100 chance of that changing and having a retinal problem. So your, your odds have improved, but we are not out of the woods yet. Right. You're going to still monitor your symptoms. I'm going to monitor the way the eye looks and signs. But if we're at that point, if we're in good shape, then the it's one in a whole lot more, a mm-hmm. much greater number mm-hmm. chance of a, of a, of a bad complication Got at it. that time. So um, your eye doctor is your best ally to, to tell you, reassure you, this is a physiologic as opposed to a vitreous change, as opposed to a pathologic vitreous and now retinal change. 
guys, you're listening as I see it. Dr. Jeff, thank you so much. Please hit the subscribe button. It makes us, it helps us reach so many more patients. And that's our ultimate goal here to educate as many patients as possible. Um, if you have not, please take a couple of minutes, if, uh, whether it's this episode or a previous episode, and go down to the very bottom of the podcast uh, feed and leave us a comment. Whenever Dr. Jeff is not uh, feeding the birds on the beach or looking at his floaters, he is absolutely reading every single comment. Thanks, Dr. Jeff. Thanks a lot, Cole.